Konnichiwa. This is Erica. Hey everyone, this is Freen, and we're smashing the patriarchy one episode at a time. to Super Smash Hoes. Today, we're going to talk about K-pop and masculinity. Yay! I'm so excited! Yay! I'm so excited too, Farine. It's been a while since we've recorded. I know. We've had a busy few weeks. Um, Erica and I both just started back to school again. Erica's in her final year of undergrad. How exciting is that? I know. It's so crazy. It's it's kind of... It's, it's a bit emotional that, you know... I'm no longer going to be a student, at least for a while. It's pretty sad. And I, on the other hand, am very tired and very ready <laughs> to stop being a student. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been great getting back into, you know, like, academic environment and talking about politics, but also things related to gender norms. It's been really interesting as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, excited to do some more podcasting as well yeah and we've had a really busy few weeks but um we wanted to say thank you to vivachi tokyo for including us in their the first volume of their event so um vivachi is a collaboration event between calzedonia um and its founders are kaylin and robin samantha and andy and They're all working to put on a series of events in Tokyo around gender, inclusivity, and empowerment. And they actually included Erica and I in their documentary. I wasn't able to go to their event last week, but Erica was, and she can talk about Yeah, I missed you so much there. But yeah, it was really great. Um, So yeah, this, the past event, the theme was women's empowerment. And so they interviewed a few people, including us, um, who are in like arts, fashion, industry, industry, and um, who are doing something related to, you know, challenging um, gender norms or doing something related to women's empowerment. It was really cool. There was a part of the room, they had TV panels um, showing the the interviews, like a documentary style, Mm -hmm. and then they just had more space where people can talk and converse about women's empowerment or anything else (laughs) so it was really great just to have a space to talk about something and that it was themed I think that was really cool but they have I think they have different themes every every event so you should definitely check it out if you're in Tokyo yeah and you know maybe next time I make a trip to Tokyo it'll be yeah we'll see but yeah but yeah just yeah I just want to say thank you to especially Robin, Kaylin, um, Samantha, and Andy for organizing the event. They are amazing people. Honestly, amazing people. Um, follow them on social media. Find them through us. We're following them so you can, you know, people know how to Insta-stalk. Go on our social media mm-hmm. page and <laughs> find them and send them love because they are honestly the best human beings. They put on some of the coolest yes. events. Um, and they're all, like, their hearts are honestly made of pure gold and love. yeah they're amazing yes and um so yeah today we wanted to talk about k-pop and masculinity i think 
one of the reasons why we wanted to talk, well, one big <laughs> reason we wanted to talk about it, I guess, is because K-pop is huge, right? And I think it's it does something so popular, I guess, globally, it's bound to have an impact on, you know, some, the way people think about certain things. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, and maybe we should make clear from the outset, neither Erica or I are, like, k-pop experts we're not like yeah. huge k-pop fans like we think this is a really interesting phenomenon we think like the spread of culture and globalization and like this music is amazing and like we've listened to a little bit but like i wouldn't you know i i'm not part of that bubble so like if i get some things wrong k-pop k-pop fans please don't come and attack me <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah saying yeah like Brian said yeah I'm not I like I know the reason why I really know a few things about k-pop is just through other friends who are interested or just through media social media or just you know um advertisements and whatnot so mm-hmm. yeah we I think we both find it really interesting how a lot of male um like k- k-pop boy bands um, a lot of the men are portrayed a lot more, like, a little more feminine, wearing makeup, and even their clothes, like we were talking about earlier, um, are sometimes a bit more feminine than typical Western boy bands, you know? Yeah, they wear, like, the open Korean boys or K-pop idol members will, like, openly wear makeup. Um, it's really different than, like, what we, like, it's not how we would associate one direction to look like this isn't your typical boy band in the western sense i mean this is very typical of the k-pop industry but it's not typical for people who you know talk about um or who have watched american or british um male groups so i thought it was really an interesting phenomenon because like i don't know about you but like 15 year old me Every boy in One Direction was my ideal husband. Like, <laughs> I had a phase too. I was convinced that I was going to marry Zayn Malik, everybody. Um, I thought he would like spot me in the crowd, even though I was like seven years younger than him, and we would fall in love and he would take me home. And like, I, th- that was about it. We were going to like eat pasta together and then <laughs> fall in love, get married. That's um, so cute. But I think it's interesting because what boy bands do is they create this ideal right like everybody always wants to date the boy band member it's like the ideal yeah. boy it's like the ideal masculinity is embodied in right. in a boy band and um yeah i think it's really interesting because with k-pop idols how they look how they dress how they act isn't exactly how we associate or what we associate with masculinity yeah Definitely. Yeah, and you, uh, Farin, you're saying there's a word in Korean that describes like a um, a good-looking man, right? Well, that's a bit feminine. Yeah. So um, there's a Korean term that's basically used to describe K-pop idols, and the term um, essentially means that K-pop idols should look um, like men, but they should also be very soft like a flower like they should be they should incorporate this femininity this like softness to them um 
And there's a similar term in Japanese. Bishonen, right? Yeah, that literally also means like beautiful boy. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it yeah encompasses the same kind of tone. Yeah,、um, and it's it's really interesting because、um, I think where we're really used to seeing, or in the West, people are really used to thinking of gender as. Male, female, masculine, feminine. Yeah, like two very yeah、mm-hmm. super binary. Though that's exactly the word, Erica. Yeah. Um, two very separate things. But I think you were saying earlier about women's history, what we learned. Hmm. Um, and that actually it's much more. I, I mean, throughout history, Eastern cultures have shown that it's much more. Um. There's like a spectrum. It's spectrum. not binary, right? Gender、yeah. isn't binary. Yeah. Sorry, that's yeah.、Word. Yeah.、Um, yeah, I definitely agree. And I mean, but having said that, like modern day, I think Asian culture is being influenced by Western、um, ideals. I think it has become a bit, you know, gender norms have changed a lot compared、mm-hmm. to. Um, a long time ago, so it's a lot more binary as well. So I think this is quite new for yeah modern history, modern East Asian history, I guess, as well. Yeah. So I was reading a little bit into like、um, the multiple masculinities within East Asian cultures, and、um, Similar to Japan, I mean, in the eighties and nineties, the predominant masculinity in Korea was like the salaryman masculinity,、uh, mm. which you know we we still associate with、um, with Japanese men. But also, and this is a really interesting thing about Korea is、um, that all Korean men have to serve in the military. And、right. that that in itself, like we talked about it in one of our episodes, but militarized masculinity in itself is a very specific type of masculinity, having to be strong,、right. having to protect the nation and the women, having to be you know able to be rugged and live out and capable of killing and taking life. That in itself is、mm-hmm. like a very specific type of hardness, that、mm-hmm. every Korean man has to be able. To embody because it's mandatory. They have to serve.、Mm-hmm. Yeah,、um, and I think yeah, we were also talking about earlier about how I think even though we see these very you know more feminine K-pop male、um, like boy bands,、um, I think in popular not popular、um, or amongst ordinary Korean citizens who aren't you know. Big on social media, I think that、um, it's still very the ideal man is typically more masculine. So I think it's really interesting to see the difference between、um, you know these boy bands, these popular K-pop groups, and everything else. Yeah. So actually, there was a study、um, by it was a study of Indonesian fan girls. So. Fan girls of K-pop, but they lived in Indonesia, by an author named Parmitia Ayonkitis. I really hope I'm saying that right. But basically, her study it concludes that you know K-pop masculinity is or that softer masculinity is acceptable on stage, but 
mm-hmm. fans didn't actually want to date in real life boys who were this effeminate or this expressive and that she kind of talks about gender um well we know that gender is performative right like gender doesn't exist mm-hmm. we act out gender right it's a concept that humans constructed socially constructed right yeah it's socially constructed and it's acted out and patterned out every day in our behaviors right. um and she says in the same way that k-pop masculinity or she actually calls it soft masculinity is a performance mm-hmm. it's something that these boys are doing on stage, but we don't have any idea how they're acting off stage. Right, that is true. And yeah, and basically her argument was, she did think, the this author, I'm not saying this is mm-hmm. my claim, but she did think that it was actually redefining masculinity. It was just, an enter- it was for entertainment. But I think that's an interesting question. What do you think? Do you think, I, and I, this is a heavy question, you don't have to say like, yes or no right. you don't have to agree either yeah. way but do you think this popularization especially in western cultures right now of k-pop is redefining mm-hmm. what we think of as masculine hmm. i would say that i wouldn't say it's redefining what masculinity is especially because i think a lot of people not just in western countries but i think you know, even in Japan or Korea, like, when they see K-pop idols, like you were saying, like, not everyone wants to necessarily date them, Mm -hmm. even if they kind of idolize them. Um, So in that sense as well, I feel like it's not redefining what masculinity is, but I think it is definitely kind of introducing a conversation about, you know, what what does it mean to be a man or, you know, what's what do people aspire yeah like what's their um yeah like beauty standards and things i think it definitely makes people think about and talk about those issues but i would say it's like fundamentally changing you know what it means to be a man or masculinity mm-hmm. no i think it's interesting too um that i don't know about your friends but uh, I, I had a little bit of a K-pop phase last year when I was living in England. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really small, like, couple of months thing. But whenever I talk to my male friends about K-pop or, like, if I would say, oh, whatever, this idol is really attractive, um, they would, you know, come back with me with, oh, he's so he looks so gay, he looks so girly, how do you find that hot? Like, he doesn't look like a real mm-hmm. man. Um, I don't know. The perception, at least for my male friends, has always been unaccepting of that. Did you have, like, similar... Yeah, I don't think, like, all of my friends have been extremely against it like that. But I think most people I've had a conversation about it with have been a bit more kind of, yeah, reluctant as well. Like, um that yeah that's kind of gay or whatever they even if they don't necessarily say it's you know it's gay or you use that term in particular I feel like they don't see it see that as being very manly you know Mm -hmm. well I read another study by Song Mm -hmm. and Vilding um and the study Mm -hmm. is about how k-pop masculinity is perceived in the west 
Yeah. This was a really interesting study because um, she, so what Song and Velding, what they, sorry, said is that participants, um, so American participants, reported that K-pop band members lacked masculinity because they had a smaller body than, you know, your Western man. They have softer skin. They don't have facial hair. They have brightly colored hair. All of, you know, these pinpoints of K-pop idols. And because of those, she said that participants viewed them as less masculine. But not only did they view them as less masculine, um, but what this did, she said, was it reproduced cultural difference and distance, sorry, between the U.S. and Korea. And the Mm. authors, they argued that um, this, yeah, they created this huge distance because the masculinities didn't seem to align. And it mm-hmm. created a description of Asian men, even in America, um, as like stereotypically weaker than American men or mm-hmm. white men. And she said that this kind of like feeds into the narrative that Asian boys right. are not as desirable because they didn't match the Western ideal of masculinity. Right. And I think it's really interesting that you bring that up because I feel like from from living in the States for a bit and seeing um, how people interact. I feel like a lot of, to me, it seems like, I mean, I can't be sure, but it seemed to be like a lot of Asian men in who are living in at least in the states struggle a little bit with masculinity like and how people perceive them i feel like they have to kind of make an extra effort to look more masculine because of this standard this doesn't directly do anything with um k-pop and the beauty standards of k-pop no i mean that just reinforces it right yeah yeah no i think actually i um in in this reading she she says that this stereotypical image of the Asian man is inferior or feminine compared to the American man. She says it mm. actually comes from the the ends of the Japanese war and kind of the feminizing of Japan mm-hmm. and Jap- of the Japanese by Americans when they came in. And right. since then, this idea as the Japanese or the Asian as inferior right. um, has been like, you know since the bombings and everything she said that was a way of feminizing mm. the japanese and so i think so her argument was yeah. just that yeah i think that's a whole that's that could be a whole episode yeah but I, what her argument was is that this k-pop phenomenon it just reinforces that existing idea that mm. asian men and i know that that is such a broad term because asia is a, like you know k-pop is Korean pop, but Japanese men, Chinese men, you know, Vietnamese men, Thai men, they're all impacted by this phenomenon, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, it does. No, definitely. Yeah, 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 I understand what you're saying about, you know, yeah, each country, but it differs. Like, in, I think, yeah, K-pop, the reason why it got so big is because even in Asia, there aren't so many boy bands that are that challenge kind of gender norms like this and not that they're all very feminine some of them are more you know have a more masculine no and it's interesting you say that too because even some bands will have 
different aesthetics or different yeah. they have multiple masculinities within themselves so like let's say bts because that's one that everybody knows and you know it's yeah easy to like access their music like most people will know what bts who bts is right yeah but if you yeah. compare the music video for mic drop which it's very masculine right the the boys i don't know if you've seen the music video for mic drop yeah but the boys are dressed in like hip-hop gangster clothing they're wearing right. dark colors like they're still wearing makeup but it's not the um it's like natural makeup it's not like glam makeup mm-hmm. And then if you yeah. look at the music video with for Boy With Love or even, mm. um, you know, DNA, much more, like, Boy With Love is all pastels. It's, like, shades mm. of pink, lots of, like, shimmery eyeshadow, like, very feminine. And it's the same band, but just they appropriate different masculinities when it serves them. Right. So it's kind of, like, I guess, marketing. Yeah. Marketing, and then I also think it's interesting, like, right, the perfect K-pop boy has that soft hair, but he has a strong jawline, which is very masculine. Yeah. He has beautiful eyeshadow, but perfect skin, which is feminine. But then he has rock-solid abs, which is, like, hyper-masculine. Yeah. 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 It's really interesting. Also, another thought I, I had was, yeah, so in... And boy bands, the K-pop boy bands, I think you can see a lot of um, the gender norms, I guess, of male gender norms being um, challenged. But I feel like when it comes to girl groups, like girl bands, mm. um, I feel like it's still very sexualized. And I think I feel like women are kind of objectified in a sense and they don't always um like I feel like they don't um they don't challenge gender norm the gender norms of like a female beauty standard as much as the boy bands do no no I totally I totally get what you mean like they're still they're expected to be skinny and pretty and cute like the typical Korean female band is still yeah I agree like that yeah. There's no challenging happening to that standard of beauty. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it is so, so interesting. Um, Oh, this, like, is such a random fact, but I thought this was so cool. Going back to mm-hmm. this idea of military service, so a lot of, you know, Korean boy band members have had to take leave from the band because they have to go and serve out their mandatory military service, and... Yeah. Like I said before, all Korean boys do military service. And, you know, wearing makeup, it's at least BB cream and natural makeup, I think that's very mainstream for Korean boys. Um, yeah. I, I've read and I've heard that, you know, Korean boys will wear BB cream, which for people who don't know, BB cream is, it's like a foundation, but it's like a skin, per- it's got sunscreen in it. It's like more of a skincare product than a makeup product. Mm-hmm. But um, it's very popular in Asian countries. And, um, right, so my fun fact was basically that this Korean company called Tony Moly, they have a whole makeup mm-hmm. range for men. And they have one product called Dandy Guy Perfect Camo Cream. And it plays on, and, and all of the, um, what is it called, like branding? 
for yeah. the for the actual product is like very militarized, like all camo. It's got like a strong man standing next to it, and it's a cover up. It's like a concealer, but yeah. Um, I thought that was really cute. Like that they're playing on these ideas of masculinity to sell men yeah. this makeup. Right. That is really interesting. But interesting. I have a question for you. Yeah. Okay. So, we've talked a lot about how, like, K-pop is, um, it, K-pop male idols, what they do is they, you know, make wearing makeup and stuff a little bit more normalized for men, right? Because mm-hmm. they wear a lot of makeup. Um, but one thing that's, like, you know, we can't forget is that Korea is a huge um, cosmetic surgery industry and it has a huge makeup industry mm-hmm. I mean it the Korean beauty industry is a seven billion dollar industry wow. it's huge and it's growing I mean outside of Korea even k-beauty k-skincare it like if you guys invest in anything yeah. invest in Korean skincare and makeup because I'm <laughs> telling you like that is the future everyone but Hi. my question is that this this growing we've talked about it as acceptance right in this podcast episode Mm -hmm. this acceptance of beauty and makeup and these like normally feminized things is it really an acceptance or is it like a marketing ploy to sell more of these products to sell more cosmetic surgeries and to do exactly what we've done to women which is cause them to hate their own bodies um and buy all of these products to make themselves better are we doing that same thing now our companies i'm not saying us as people our companies doing that same thing now capitalizing on you know nobody is going to look like a k-pop idol right like no one no guy even if you wanted to is going to look like that without the surgery and the makeup and is this only feeding in to a new type of consumerism that's right. based on the beauty industry because it is, like, one of the biggest industries in the world right now. I don't know if that mm-hmm. question made sense. It was very long. It does. It makes complete sense. And I think it's that's such an awesome question that you bring up. Um, yeah, so, hmm, I mean, yeah, I'm wondering if, that, yeah, like, you were – I guess, continuing on the question, like, I wonder if it's a way to, yeah, capitalize on it because they see it as a, yeah, you know, they can make more money. Um, I definitely think that's a part of it. I don't know if that's the only driving force, but... Yeah, I wonder, because, like, we were talking about earlier, um, these you know, K-pop idols, they are very, very strictly managed. Their image, their hair color is strictly managed by their agencies, right? I don't know. It might depend on the agency as well. Mm. But I think that's the kind of common perception or idea people have of K-pop, the industry in general. But um, I wonder if they saw that there was going to be a demand for more feminine men or yeah I wonder I I, I I always wonder like how 
because how did it come about right yeah let's not get it wrong like this is all constructed right like yeah these are these are shows this is entertainment k-pop is an entertainment industry there was a demand somewhere for this this came out of something yeah i feel like i don't know korean culture no the history of it well enough to understand but i think it's interesting like with the case of japan which i know better i feel like yeah like you were saying earlier there's this idea of bishonen or there's also a word you know describing more feminine men like social kukedanshi like more vegetarian not vegetarian um what is it called do we talk about i feel like we talked about it in our another another in another podcast episode before but um kind of yeah just feminine men in japan and Mm. but even though that there are kind of different types of men or like groups of men who exist in japanese society like it's not as capitalized Mm. as in there aren't i don't know if it why i can't exactly figure it out figure out why but I think Japanese companies don't capitalize it on it as much as Korea does, but I guess that's because Japan doesn't have like a huge um, boy band group or something um, that is challenging these norms. But yeah, I wonder, right? Where did it start? I don't know. Yeah, I the more okay. I'm sorry, I have to make a comment. Um, I just moved into a new house in London, and our walls are very thin. So if anybody yeah. can hear that banging in this recording, I'm very sorry. I don't know what our upstairs neighbors are doing. <laughs> I I can't hear it, so it's okay. Oh, it's really loud, and it's okay. As long as well, if you can hear it, that's what that is. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> If you can't hear it, <laughs> disregard this message. But back to yeah, back to yeah. what we were saying. Yeah, I, like it. It's very interesting to me because a lot of the time when we talk about the K-pop industry, we talk about the the terrible effects it has on women's bodies, right? Because as we yeah. know, like Korean female um, idols, like they just the things they have to do to have the perfect body like we talk about that all the time like the, the intensity of their training the amount of control yeah. on their lives and yeah it's crazy there's there's like um leg extension surgery where they can't walk for like a year they heard i don't know if this is just you know that's just a thing gossip or whatever you can make yourself taller yeah why has no one told me this before <laughs> that's what i heard but that was through word of mouth so i don't know if it's, oh my god i haven't really done research about it Genuinely, I need to go find out if this is legitimate and if I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, but, yeah, like, it's... We all know that K-pop is a very harsh industry. And, like, how yeah. much are these men expected to perform? Like, this whole idea, again, about, like, gender is performative. Like, how much of this are they performing... And how mm-hmm. much of this is genuine, their interest in this type of fashion, their interest in this type of beauty. Because even like, okay, BTS, mm-hmm. to go back to BTS all the time, they have released like multiple 
makeup lines and skincare collaborations with huge Korean brands, right? Like, yeah, they're making money by slapping their name on a product. Right. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like it's, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't think I have an answer. Um, That's okay. I don't think we need an answer. Yeah. I think it was just soft. Soft? Did I say that? But, um, Interesting I to talk about. Yeah, I definitely think, like, compared to, like, we were talking about One Direction before, I feel like they, it seems like, at least, I mean, I'm sure they're, you know, they're, these um, groups in the States or Western countries as well are under a lot of pressure, but I feel like they're, they have more autonomy over kind of how they can, you know, get tattoos or, like, yeah, yeah, express themselves through clothing. Mm. And I definitely feel like K-pop idols, their kind of public image is definitely more controlled from what I can see and what I've seen. Yeah, I mean, BTS band Um, members aren't even allowed their own Instagram or social media accounts. I mean, their entertainment agency has a, a media account for them. Like, they are not even allowed to independently present themselves. Right. Oh, yeah. And speaking of, you know, we, I think you saw the story about Sully, the Korean. Yes. Yeah. That's very um, sad. Yes. Um, the, I, I can't, I don't know which and girl she group, was in? group she was in, mm, but I can't remember this either. woman who, I think she was, was she 25, 27? She was young. 25, I think. Yeah, she committed suicide in her apartment a few days ago. And, yeah, I just saw it on social media and other news platforms because it was everywhere. But and it's very common I, in this industry. Not to normalize yeah, it. Yeah, it's to say so that terrible. Okay. Yeah, and um, I, just, I just thought about it because I think from what I read... Um, I don't know if it's completely credible, but it said that because she was posting kind of like a bit like revealing pictures on Instagram and she was getting a lot of hate, that could be why, or she was struggling with it. And so, wow, yeah, so I feel like I don't know the story well enough to kind of talk about it no but but I think it's still an interesting issue to bring up which is this there is this big problem in that industry of of suicide and of self-harm and eating disorders and I mean it's it's a really un unhealthy environment yeah and the fact that you know even if this wasn't the this wasn't the reason why she decided to commit suicide, I think, yeah, like she was struggling with um, getting hate comments from posting pictures that were revealing or whatever, and it's so ironic because um, you know, girls, especially women in K-pop, the K-pop industry are so. And overly sexualized and everything, but when you post pictures that are a bit more revealing, like you get so much hate for it, you know. I know this is, I mean, not K-pop related, but this whole thing. Yeah, I yeah. saw a quote on um, 
on Instagram the other day, and it was that we live in a world where women are taught that our only, like, value is our bodies and our sexuality and our, like, looks. And then when women market that and capitalize that and become social media influencers or they take control of their bodies and they're, like, find ways to use what we have been told our whole lives is our only value. When we find ways to use that, monetize that, make bank, then we're called sluts and whores and attention seekers. Yeah. And it's like, no, I'm sorry. She is using what you told her this whole time is her only value and making that powerful. Like, how is that? There's such a double standard. Like, you tell women their whole life. Like, K-pop girl idols, like you just said. Yeah. Are sexualized all the time on stage, but when they sexualize themselves. Yeah, it's like a huge deal and it's terrible. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Oh, I feel like there's a lot of it's different really ways sad. we can go into this yeah, conversation. I, I think it's interesting too because, like we said at the start, neither of us are inside the world of K pop. Like, we're both kind of mm-hmm. like. We've seen a few minutes. Observe it from the outside, yeah. yeah. Because it really is its own world. Like, yeah. own economy <laughs> is happening there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it's interesting to think about as an outside perspective on how, because it is such a big movement, like you said earlier, how it's influencing all of our ways of thinking about gender and about culture and about even globalization, about the fact, like, mm-hmm. this is so random, but the fact that a band that, Nobody can understand, really, right, in Western countries, like Americans. Sorry, I don't mean nobody can understand them. I mean nobody in America, other than Korean mm-hmm. Americans, can understand them, has gained this immense popularity. And it tells you something about, like, the power of globalization or of, like, the way these shows are put on and how feeling is conveyed beyond language. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's so random. It had nothing to do with feminism, but it is a thought that I was thinking about. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's interesting to see how it's, yeah, it's globalization happening and seeing kind of the effects of it. Um, But yeah, I feel like we can go, yeah, like you said, on so many tangents from this. So maybe we can wrap up for today. Do you have anything else you want to add, Frank? No, I think I'm good. I think you're right call on that one. Mm Mm-hmm. But before and, we, yeah. oh, sorry, before we do wrap up, yeah, I, no, go ahead. I do want a slight apology if the audio quality on this one wasn't the best. Erica and I were having some technical difficulties today, um, but we really want to record. It's been a while, um, and we really want to talk about this topic. So yeah, thank you for bearing with it if you've made it all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, and um, let us know if you have any suggestions for topics you want to hear on us talk about and yeah see you next time and make sure to follow us on social media at super smash host podcast thank you thank you